It's a very exciting day. Chandler. It's our biggest day to date. It's our biggest interview. It's our biggest moment. Everything's about to change for us. Well, I mean, I think let's (laughs) let's not get out of ourselves. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're a little hopeful. (laughs) And I mean, and by everything, I mean nothing is about to change. Except that we will have had on a bona fide Real Housewife. We are so excited, you guys, because today is the day when we are airing our interview with Deandra Simmons, which we happened to record this morning. Mm-hmm. Are you the writing a high still? I'm writing a high still. Absolutely. I think that it was just such a fun time. It was so it was so fun to be able to sit down and just ask her all the questions that I had as I was watching Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I was a little nervous before, so it was fun to be like, okay, we you know, we are taking our training wheels off. We can do this. We can interview the big celebs. I know. I usually get so nervous too. And I strangely didn't. I think like, uh, like the nerves kind of like went away a little bit. And it's just more like, I'm, I'm a little bit shook the whole time. Just like, I can't believe this is real, but I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, totally. I, I think we're really lucky to have had her on and she was so nice and fun. Yeah, we are so lucky. It was really fun. Um, But before we get to the interview, Chan, would love to hear how your time was with Mr. New York. I I think that's really what the listeners want to know, too, since you you took to IG stories. They might be sick of it, so I'll try and top line it. But I do have an experience that I want to tell you about. Um, Okay. Okay. Basically, he was here for a week, which was really nice because, you know, we just got to have lots of time together, um, lots of, you know, close quarters, but it was great. Um, I We didn't get, you know, into any fights. There was like 20 minutes where I thought he was annoyed with me, but that was all in my head after I uh, got up the nerve to ask him 20 minutes later. He was like, no, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> so it was just, you know, cl- classic blood so sister, you know, being worried that someone's mad at you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we basically, I mean, so when I did the IG story, it was basically because I was bored because we were driving down to Carmel for the weekend. Um, and Lauren, I want to tell, yeah, go ahead. Wait, can I ask you a question? It's very unclear because it seemed like you were in the back of a car. Did you guys have a driver? No, we didn't have a driver. We rented a fun car. He rented a Tesla for the day, which was very fun. Cute. Um, so, which leads me to the fact that I spent the entire weekend pretending I was a rich person, luxuriating in, luxuriating in Carmel. Wow. That sounds fabulous. And the reason why we did this, we, why we needed this reprieve and escape was because when I went to New York to see him, you know, we did a lot of activities and we were kind of like exhausted by the trip. It was amazing. It was so fun, but it was like one thing to the next. Yeah. Very go, so go, go. The theme of this trip, this visit was chill. Um, yeah. so, and you know, I love a theme, so I ran with it and, we decided, well, I guess I decided that we were going to have a spa experience for our final weekend. Oh, yeah. Wait, I wanted to hear about this. You haven't I haven't told you. Yet. I haven't told you. And I okay, feel I'm like excited. usually you're the one telling me about your nice experiences. Like, we did this. We went on this yacht. We Kagan and I did this thing. Like, And I never get to be the one telling you about how I was luxuriating all weekend. I would love to hear. It's, it's usually, yeah, like you telling me that. And then I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I got takeout and paid a lot of money for Ubers. Um <sighs> So, but yeah, so we rented a fun car and then we drove down the coast. It was like truly big little lies vibes. It was so beautiful. We ended up having lunch with Courtney of all people and Wyatt. Oh, the one and only. The one and only. And, you know, I don't know if some of our followers follow Courtney. I want to just be really clear about the fact that I only knew she was going to Carmel because she posted on her story and said, anyone have any recommendations for Carmel? Oh my gosh. Um... But she she came around and she we did make plans. So we had lunch with some of our other childhood friends, and that was really fun. We did like the seventeen mile drive, which uh, was absolutely stunning. It, like goes through Pebble Beach, you know, just rich person things. Okay, totally a stunning lunch, a stunning drive. Okay, Literally. and then all all roads so, lead to the spa all, experience. All roads lead to the spa. Um, so the spa is called Refuge, and. Basically, I'm too cheap to pay for a massage, plus they were all, like, taken up. But I would pay for general admission, which includes admission to six of their pools, okay? And I love a jacuzzi. I crave a jacuzzi. My body, my bones, my soul, like, loves hot water. 
Okay, um, this looks incredible. I'm looking at pictures right now. And this looks insane. It's amazing. So each of the pools are like different temperatures. There's like two hot ones, like <sighs> some warm ones, and then some cool, and then some cold. So you I think, do, wait, I'm sorry, yeah. but I need to say and interrupt you and tell you people that this is like outdoor pools and jacuzzis. Mm. It's not. Oh. It's, I am. I imagined it was an indoor pool situation. No, 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 no. Don't be. Don't be an idiot. This wasn't a rec center. Okay, <laughs> this was like the most gorgeous backyard situation you've ever seen. And this was just the the, the indoor facilities were closed. So we were just to the outdoor ones. Um, so you walk in <sighs> and, and and they hand you a robe, and they tell you that it's a silent only, and that they ask you to respect that, and you're not allowed to like be on any electronics. Um, they hand and then you're on your way. So we we go in and we change our swimsuits and we do start going into the pools and we go through like the thermal cycle, okay? Okay. Uh, which basically means that you like go in the cold for like 10 to 60 seconds, then you go back in the warm and then you do it all again like three to five times. And it's like you okay. get a little hot, like a high from it. Like your body feels very like alive. Like you can feel your whole like all your muscles – Did you do like the super cold plunge? Uh-huh. uh-huh. You did because I yeah. – was it – there's a like a little bit of a little spa right by us where you can do this. It's it's really like an indoor. It's like an athletic recovery situation. Yeah. It's not like a luxurious spa. And but I and I tried to do it, but the cold plunge was too cold for me. It's it's really it's miserable. But then you it's go back miserable. in the warm and like the, it just makes for such a high high. Mm, okay, okay. Um, but we weren't Respected. allowed to, ta- to talk. And like after seven days of being together, I was like not excited about not being able to talk. I still had plenty more to say. Totally. <laughs> and I was like kind of getting sad. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to talk to you for like a few hours. Um, but I probably like did him a favor by giving him some like reprieve. Like it was truly a spa experience for him. Probably we had this like delightful afternoon there, and it's that just like, is under so these cute. lush trees. Wait, and I I'm used the time to do some pondering. Did you guys um, really not talk? No, we like whispered a little bit and we would like canoodle, but. Did they say no canoodling? No, canoodling was um was actually encouraged. I'm so jealous. I'm looking I know. at this and I need to take refuge in Carmela. I know. Well, Jeez. so this is my thought. My thought literally was while I'm sitting in the pools, I was like, you know what? This is just what I need. I'm a corporate professional and I mm-hmm. need to come here once a month. I need to journal. Mm-hmm. I literally totally. like I, I'm like I've, I've never been so excited to journal ever like I'm, I'm going to journal at this refuge spot every month <sighs> mark my words you, well how far away is it from your apartment it's like two hours honestly I just feel like I just feel like the most gorgeous weekend for us would be if I came and visited mm-hmm. you we did like two days in Napa yeah maybe took a refuge at refuge in Carmel for a refuge. day or two mm-hmm. and just had like a very very like beautiful you know it honestly is so restorative like I I feel like rarely do I go to an experience like a a self-care type of experience and it's actually restorative like it's usually like at most a 60 minute massage where I'm like kind of I don't get relaxed until it's like already halfway done totally and this truly was refuge and I I came out of it renewed restored uh and I and I feel like I actually got to get into like a, a relaxed headspace um, for once. And it was, yeah, it was really nice. Really lovely. I am so jealous. That sounds incredible. Yeah. And I mean, there's also something great about, you know, when you come out of the spa, just sitting in the car together and scrolling for like 25 minutes just to catch up. You you miss those notifications. Now that's a high. Now that's a high. And that's also kind of restorative. Absolutely. Um, and then we like went to like a wonderful Italian dinner after Like, we'll, we'll do this exact same trip just as sisters. Uh, like, like when you come visit next time. I I need it so bad. I yeah. need it so so bad. It was so great. Okay, so things are going well. Relationship is still going strong. Yes, you guys. I went. I did my first couples photo with him on Pop Apologist. So that should show you how much I care about our podcast and how much I'm I uh, I value it. I haven't even done that on my real one. No Instagram debut so far on the personal feed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Yeah. I, how did he feel about that? He was honestly so such a good sport. In fact, he was like so game and I would like be like, should I answer this one? Like and he would like help me respond, help me choose a photo. It was cute. He was not like annoyed at all. He's also what I'm realizing, he's like an Instagram boyfriend because he takes really good photos. And he's happy to do it. And he'll, like, do the work to make sure it's a good photo. He'll t- give me a direction if I ask for it. Oh, my gosh. I know. No way. I, he'll be, like, chin up a little bit. Yes, yes. 
And he'll like, you know, like when you can tell when people position their arms because they know how to work an angle, like they totally. know to, to put it low, put it high. He does that in like instinctually. I don't even have to ask. <sighs> that makes me so angry because Kate really is not an Instagram boyfriend whatsoever. Like mm-hmm. I'll be like, can you take my picture? And it'll be like, he'll be like a little bit grimace and I've got like three shots. Right. I've got three shots to get mm-hmm. the shot. No, no, it's, it's honestly really lucky. I don't know how I like scored so much. Chandler, I'm so happy for you. This is so fabulous. Yeah, and then we'll be with you in Puerto Rico. So this will really be an asset to us in Puerto Rico. You guys, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but um, Chandler and her boyfriend, Mr. New York, and and, um, Andrew and Lee and Gibson, you know, stars of the pleasure thread, stars of our lives. They're all Mm -hmm. coming to visit me for a full week starting on the 23rd. And I am so excited. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be amazing. I am like living for it every day. Yes, it'll be so fun. And it's good to know that there's going to be an Instagram boyfriend around because there's no Instagram fiance mm-hmm. when it comes to Kagan. Yeah, the best of Instagram boyfriends. Unfortunately. He, and real boyfriends. His, his dream is that I never posted anything, that I was like off the grid d- digitally. And that's just never going to happen. I'm sorry, but no. when life is this Instagrammable, that shit's got to go up. Honestly, like, this is who I am. This is who we are. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize. (laughs) After that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, speaking of happiness and love, Mm -hmm. I think we need to talk about, you know, the death of love and the death of all, of all, you know, of all romance in this world. (sighs) The breakdown (sighs) of Belinda, as I've coined, coined it, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, Chandler. Melinda French is her maiden name. Do you know that? No, that's a cute name. So sad. So, so sad. I mean, I personally, I broke the news to our followers because Kagan found out about it like 30, I think I broke it basically because Kagan found out about it 30 seconds after like the, the PR people put it out. And so I immediately posted it. And anyway, I just want to tell you, it honestly has like really brought me down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I felt like Bill Gates was like a beacon. He was like, yeah, a man can be like so successful, most mm-hmm. successful man in the world and still be like a good family man and like right, stick by right. his woman and like, and, and all of that. And like they, there was definitely like a wholesomeness to their relationship. Right. Obviously I don't know them at all, but anyway, yeah, from what definitely. I could gather, and I think it's really sad. Like, I've been depressed, literally. It is, it is really sad. I think in doing some more research, it's a, it's there's more color and texture added to this narrative. That's true. That That's makes true. me feel like, okay, this wasn't as clear cut. It's not like Tim and Faith, okay? I mean, honestly, I will end my life if Tim and Faith is <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, goodbye. Like, I, goodbye. That is the apocalypse for me. I recently... I showed my – I was going through my closet last night, and I have all of these – I've been collecting country music shirts, mostly Tim McGraw shirts, but I just recently got into Garth Brooks shirts. So, like, now it's country music shirts. And I have a shirt that says, I'll be your faith and you'll be my Tim. Um, <sighs> and I showed it to my roommates, and they were like, wow, you really do love them. <laughs> so, I yeah, mean – It will not be they well. are the They are the bedrock in our, of our belief in love. But – so Belinda is a stranger couple, I would say, than Tim and Faith, and definitely not as as clear cut of a love to believe in. Do we want to talk about their statement? Well, the statement was extremely benign, mm-hmm. right? They didn't say they would continue to be best friends, which I right. thought was at least nice. We they omitted that mm-hmm. perfunctory sentence, um, which no one believes anyway. Um, did you have anything to take from this from the statement other than that it was terribly boring? Uh, no, it was totally boring. There was really no juicy tidbits to unpack. I I do have one juicy tidbit that came from the divorce filing. Okay, okay. okay. Did you read? Did you see this or read it? Um, is it just? Does it just have to do with the fact that they don't have a prenup? No. So in the request for divorce from Melinda French Gates, petitioner to be divorced from the respondent William H Gates the third, she writes. Okay, everything except for this sentence is extremely, extremely benign. Okay. So, and very, very clinical, just okay. very normal. But anyway, the first sentence is, this marriage is irretrievably broken. Mm-hmm. Irretrievably broken. Yeah, I did see that. 
I was like, that's a strong choice of words. That's a strong choice. There's despair in those words. It's not this marriage has run its course. We have decided, you know, to end our romantic relationship. Irretrievably mm-hmm. broken. Yeah. There is betrayal there. There is real darkness in those yeah. words. It's a it's a dark word. It's not like it's, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's not some sort of like platitude. Like benign. as the seasons of our yeah, lives have, right. sh- have shifted, as no. the leaves on the trees of our lives have turned, you know, red vermilion or whatever, we right. have decided like, to in the winter of our life, blah blah blah, it's, embark it's, on different pastures. It implies that there's deep hurt, in my yes, opinion. Yes, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very, 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 very fascinating. A very big tell. Yeah, um, and I and you know. And then one of the other interesting things that came out was that I guess they didn't have a prenup, but they did have an agreement that he was allowed to go on yearly uh, weekends mm-hmm. that were beach weekends with his ex-girlfriend. Yes, with his former flame. Which you guys, strangely, Deandra in our interview that we're going to air actually – talks about and knows mm-hmm. about and has mm-hmm. juice on, which we were not, I mean, I asked the question just like joking around. So I was stunned when she was like, actually, let me give you some tea. Right, right. I I was shook. And then I did some more research on it. And I feel like I've come away with like, with a take. Okay. So to me, this has varying shades of Charles and Camilla, mm. like energy to it. Mm. Not in the exact same way where, like, you know, Diana had no idea and then was kind of forced into marrying it. But, like, I mean, clearly Melinda knew because that was a part of the agreement was that he would get to do this. Um, but in the sense that there was always another woman who he was going to be in love with or who, who was going to hold a portion of his heart. I mean, that's actually one of the – I would say that as much as the Windsor men have, you know, have their issues when it comes to all things love and romance, I will say the fact that – Charles has stood by and loved Camilla for as long as he has is actually somewhat um, restor- no. not restorative. No. It is. I, yes, I, it to is. Me it's, to me, it's not. Oh, my God. I mean, it's Charles like it's- is the would-be king of England. I think there's something very special about the fact that he has always mm-hmm. loved I mean, this it's- extremely age-appropriate plain country girl. It's a, In a vacuum, it's special, but not after, like, what the hell did he, like, put Diana through? Like, if, if I didn't was- know- Oh my god! I just like I don't I don't I don't feel any sort of like I don't feel sorry for Charles. Anyways, th- that's that's aside from the point. I'm not. This is not a podcast about. We're not talking about Charles and Camilla. We're talking about okay. Bill and Melinda. Okay. 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 okay fine. So, Belinda. Let's go. Belinda. Sorry. <laughs> the good witch. <laughs> Are you just getting Belinda? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um. So for me, okay. Like the craziest part of it was just that this was, like, a part of the deal originally. Like, I don't even know, honestly, that I – like, if I was – even if I was going to marry a billionaire and they said to me, like, there is this other person who will always be in the picture, like, I don't think I could do it. Absolutely I don't think that – Absolutely not. I, I don't think I'm strong enough to overcome, like, those feelings of being someone's second pick or being, like, this is the right decision, but who I truly love with all my soul is this other person. Like, I'd almost rather have someone – here's my hot take – I'd rather have someone cheat on me later in life rather than the whole time throughout. And like in that case, like I would at least know that the love like at one point was 100% real and like unequivocal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I, you'd have to be, you'd honestly just have to be completely detached and calculated Mm -hmm. to be able to handle that kind of treatment. And Um, every every year is often, that's not like every five years, like every year is a lot. It's like, oh, every June our family guy right. does this thing. Like yearly is a lot. And if you I mean, if you're Bill Gates, you gotta be scheduling vacations far in advance too. So it's like I'm sure, you know, Melinda's like personal secretary, like executive assistant is like, all right, well, you can't do that because you know, that's actually when Bill's with Anne, you know, <laughs> and Turks and Caicos. So, you know. <laughs> He's got the weekend. It's right. in the, you know, it's in the emotional prenup. Parts. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I actually so I was reading some gossip blogs about this and a few people just pointed out, they said, generally couples of this high profile, they stay together and lead separate lives 
until one of them gets to the point where the where they want to go public with mm-hmm. their new partner. And so that is my I also believe that. I think that we're going to see one of them emerge very publicly with a new partner. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know, Cor- Courtney, well, did you know, Chandler, that um, that Mackenzie Bezos – or Mackenzie, what's her last name? Mackenzie – Mackenzie, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, Mackenzie. Okay. Did you know that she remarried her kid's science teacher? No, I didn't know that. Wow. Yes, he's like a very muscly, attractive, tall, broad, um, humble right. science teacher that she just swiftly remarried and is ensconced in love with, which I love was to hear it. Love to hear yeah. it. Okay, that's great. Anyway, that's, I wonder, well, so so you're kind of um, posturing that like Bill or maybe Melinda, perhaps Bill, like wants to like lead a life with this woman or at least like go public with his relationship with her. And and that to me would then lead to this like irretrievable damaged comment because then it's like, Oh no, you still want to choose her at the end of the day. Well, see, here's the thing. I think that I highly doubt it's still this woman. Like okay. I think that if I had to guess one of the two of them is going to come out with a, a new partner and it's going to be no one we've ever heard of. Um, and so I think that that will be very interesting to watch, and it's a hundred percent going to come out. You just can't keep these things right. secret. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So I mean, thank goodness, you guys. Like honestly, the Meghan Markle interview is over. Like, what else was there to live for in terms Nothing. of gossip? I know. I definitely did not see following Bill Gates and Melinda Gates in their love life being like you know the fodder I I needed to keep my soul alive. But apparently. <sighs> That's what you we've know, been given by the universe, and I love it. I think he, I love that I'm like literally like celebrating the breakdown of a marriage. I don't mean to do that. <laughs> I mean, but it's anything, good for gossip. This to me, this means that the universe is, has handed me yet again another sign that I should read Moment of Lift because it's been in my mm. Audible for years. So I'm I'm gonna do that with this. Thank you, universe. Yes. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether right now it's Melinda or Bill's moment of lift. Right. Um, we got a Miller. lot of commentary where, pe- where people were like, you know, she's sick of him. She's over him. She's done with him. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Of course, we got a few comments of that he was done with her. And so anyway, um, well, Chandler, anything else before we cut to our interview with Deandra? No, that's it. That's it. Okay, I, just guys. Hope, I, I hope you find refuge this week, Lauren. Oh my gosh. I just hope to be restored in the same mm-hmm. way you were at um, refuge. <laughs> okay. Oh, and one more thing. Um, actually, two things. So one, on the Patreon this week, we are going to be discussing the Roni premiere. So if you are interested in hearing our takes on all things Roni, you want another dose of pop apologists in your life, we have a new episode every Friday that's exclusively on Patreon. You can find it there. Um, and then Chandler, additionally, I wanted to debrief with you, which we have not yet, on the feedback from Songs That Stir Us. Oh my gosh. On the yes. Instagram. You guys, I really appreciate the honesty here. I have to just come right out of the gate and say that I I take, you know, at my job they say feedback is a gift. Sometimes that's a hard lesson for me to learn. But truly, this feedback is a gift. Thank you. Yeah. We we I would say it was about 35, 35, no. 60-40. 60-40. Okay. 60% of people were like, love it. It's great. You know, like, you know, don't conform. Love it. New favorite segment. But the problem is that the other 40% really didn't like, like it. Like, really don't like it. Like, like turn it really off. Did. Cringe was used. Cringe. And when someone said we were – like, cringe. it was cringy, Ugh. I thought that was like, okay. Okay. I mean, we asked for their feedback, yeah, but maybe you but could have I, a little more ki- I, kid gloves on. I also wonder if they were just talking about the fact that country music – like, I, here's my take, frankly. Y'all, I love y'all so much. I don't know if y'all are into country music like Lauren and I are into country music, which is fine. A lot of people don't like country music. And so I think some people like truly like country music can be like nails on a chalkboard for them. And that's what of my, what might've been cringe. I just don't, it's like saying that you don't like, I don't know. It's like saying you don't like, like chocolate strawberries. Right. Yeah. Or like stunning spa experiences, or you don't even like food. That's what saying you don't like country music is like, but I get it. So anyway, 
on the Patreon, Songs That Stir Us is going to be relegated to probably just a, you know, once in a while segment when, when a song really comes in that we are obsessed with. And it'll always be at the end. So you can always just, you know, know when you turn it off, you're not missing any other, any other good content, as they say in the industry. All right. Well, now, now we really are going to cut to our interview with Deandra. Chandler, are you okay with that? I'm all right. All right. Enjoy, you guys. Enjoy. Lauren, before we get into this next little bit, I'm going to take a second, pour myself a little glass. Chandler, what a stunning transition because we're actually talking about Spade and Sparrows this week. They are the sponsor of the podcast. And what a dream is it? Sipping a glass of wine together and getting to talk trash and getting paid to do it. I mean, it seems too good to be true. It certainly is too good to be true. I am not the biggest expert when it comes to wine, but I do know what tastes good. And this is pretty amazing. I'm drinking the rosé right now, but they actually offer four varietals, which includes the rosé, the Pinot Grigio, the Pinot Noir, the Cab Sauve. And that has notes of raspberry, some sweet cherry cinnamon, and a little bit of cocoa. I'll probably get into that one, you know, when I start to binge below deck later on this evening. Mm. Yeah, nothing pairs better with Captain Sandy and her prowess on the ship than a little glass of Spade and Sparrows, one of my faves. Another thing I love about it, Chan, is that this is a wine brand made by women for women. You know we love to support women here on the pod, mostly housewives, but also anyone who's out there doing the good work and making delicious wine. Truly. Love all women. Love some wine. It's so good. Spade and Sparrows is available online in the U.S. and Canada. It's also available in select Walmarts in California. So shop online or in-store. Go to www.spadeandsparrows.com to find your closest bottle. Oh my gosh. Today is a huge day for pop apologists. We are so excited to be joined by Deandra Simmons, star of Real Housewives of Dallas, Wow. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here, especially with when, well, actually today's the day of the the big reunion. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So exciting. How how do you feel? Are you excited? Excited and nervous and anxious. It's so funny because um, people always ask me, why do you get nervous? Why do you get anxious? And I said, well, I mean, if you don't have a little bit of healthy anxiety, then you shouldn't be here. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's almost like every time uh, I've ever, you know, I started as a singer, as an actress, when I was a little kid. And I always, no matter how prepared I was, I always got nervous before being on stage. And I think it's kind of the same thing. Um, even before, you know, we do any scene, I get real nervous. And my husband's like, why are you so nervous? And you just want to do a good job and you want to make sure that, you know, you get all your points across. And honestly, before we, you know, I never sleep at all. Like I had one hour of sleep. So I oh. mean, oh, it was so nerve wracking because I was like, you know, every scenario going over in your head, what's going to be asked, you know, all yeah. this kind of stuff. So, Wait, you're telling me it's you- over. I'm happy it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me you have one hour of sleep and you look like this? <laughs> Excuse well, last me? night I had about four, but the day before we day had before. one because I was just nervous and I couldn't, I was tossing and turning all night and I couldn't get my mind, you know, settled down. Uh, well, oh, I think my it's, gosh. I'm really excited for it, but I would love to, I would love to kind of go back to the beginning. Mm. Um, and I think our listeners would love to know, and one of the questions we got was how you even got on the show. Like, have you ever, had you ever watched the Real Housewives franchise before? And ha- what path basically led you to being a Bravo star? I have not watched very many. I will be very honest about that and transparent. Um, I didn't understand kind of what it was. I just knew, you know, it was a great opportunity. I knew that if I was going to do a reality show, that it was going to be something that had been successful as a franchise because I felt like, you know, anything that you do and you put yourself out there and it's a one hit wonder, it's kind of, you know, that's more dangerous. So for me, I felt like this franchise has long lasting legs. And if I join, then it would be a good thing, not only for me to tell my stories, because I have a lot of them, as you've seen, <laughs> but, um, you know, I have a, a platform and a brand, a mother that's incredibly interesting and uh, yes. great for TV. My husband is also equally amazing and now we've brought in the shaman i mean i'm like God, you guys are gonna put me out of business because you guys are much better than me but um you know it's just it was something that i had been asked the first season um that bravo was doing the show 
And it was actually another show called, I think, How to Make It in Dallas or something. And it just wasn't the right time. And then mm-hmm. um, they ended up making it a housewife show. And it still wasn't the right time. I was cheering the UNICEF Gala, Cancer Blows, which is a huge gala at the symphony. Um, I was cheering the Salvation Army Luncheon and all those kind of things. I really felt like I needed to have a sit-down discussion with the boards and say, I'm going to do this. And is that okay with you? And Oh, I didn't wow. feel like it was okay. I felt like it was it was okay for me to finish my job and then go into it. And I'm just professional gotcha. like that because, you know, people have different feelings about reality TV. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you had to, to ask all of the boards and everything, but did you ask Mama D? Like, how did she feel about you joining? What was asking her like or talking yeah, to her funny. about joining? So my first sit down was with my husband and we talked it through. And the second one was obviously with Mama D because I wanted to make sure she was okay about it. And she was very supportive. I was terrified to talk to her about it. She ended up being extremely supportive and excited and thought that I could bring a lot of um, entertainment value and substance. And um, our family certainly is very interesting. So she was all aboard. She was all aboard. I think that, you know, she didn't realize at the time we were going to talk so much about our uh, mother-daughter business issues and and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think... Sometimes she's not such a fan of the fighting that we do on on camera, but that's kind of like what we do, you know? Right. It's it's essentially the job, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, we we are kind of known for not necessarily having um like a mother on the level of Mama D, but we have a kind of an iconic mother on this podcast, so we totally get it, and we're very interested in all things Mama D. I mean, she is just such an amazing character. One of the questions that one of our listeners actually asked was if if Jeremy asked for your hand for Mama D in marriage. Jeremy asked my father. For my hand okay. in marriage because my stepfather, he was alive. He passed away in March 6th of 2013. And when Jeremy met my parents, it had been that fall, October, and we went on a Christmas trip. Very strange. I cannot stand to go on cruises. Hate them. My father loved them because he liked to relax and then everybody could do their own thing. So at Christmas time, he said, would you like to go on a family cruise? I'm like, eh, no, you know. And then I thought, okay, my dad's 85. And I, you know, I, my mom said, look, daddy wants to do this. He's older. And he was getting older and getting more frail. And I could see that. So um, I said, well, can I bring Jeremy? And daddy said, yes, bring Jeremy. It would be great to get to know him. So that's the time he asked for my hand in marriage. And my dad said, Jeremy, you can marry her as long as you can afford her food bill. She likes very expensive food and very expensive restaurants. Let's not even talk fashion. Just talk food with me. And then he also went to – so my dad passed away um, that March after the December trip. And then Mm. I guess that summer we got engaged – right before we got engaged, she went to my mother and said, I'm going to ask Deandra to marry me. And the funny part is – I don't know if you ever heard the story, but my mother – and dad, after the cruise, were sitting in the kitchen in February. My dad passed away, remember, in March. Mm-hmm. And daddy went to her one morning. He always used to do his uh, devotional. And he said, I just want to tell you something. He said, Deandra is to marry Jeremy Locke. And she said, well, has, you know, has, uh, have they figured that out? And he said, not yet, but they will. Wow. <laughs> and she said, have you told them that? He said, no, but you know what? So they'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so special. That and they got so married cool. almost a year later, actually, so in 2014. <laughs> I have to wow. say – I have to say we are living in the wake of, you know, the news about Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. And I do feel yes. like Deandra and Jeremy are single-handedly keeping our faith in love as a nation. I will say <laughs> your relationship is iconic and we love it so much. So uh, we're just so happy you guys are going strong. We love you two together. I'm glad that people have, you know, whatever people think about me, they can't really fault my husband. There's a there's not a lot they could say bad about Jeremy. I mean, somebody said the other day, well, that's just fake. Well, it's not fake at all. I mean, people that know us, he's always touching me. We have a great companionship, friendship, love story. Um, But I'm glad that people enjoy watching that because I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to see not only um, conflict in marriage, but marriages that are happy, you know, and Mm -hmm. we have problems just like everybody else, but we work through them. And so uh, I think that's the most important thing. It's really, really special. We have a lot of single listeners, and we want to know, do you have any tips for helping them find a man like Jeremy? 
Oh my goodness. Um, I was very lucky. It was serendipity. I'll say that a hundred percent. But when I did meet him, I was involved with someone else and he was involved with someone else. I mean, okay. I wasn't married. He wasn't married, but um, we were both in unhappy relationships. And I said to him the first week I met him, I said, you know, I'm involved with someone and I'm honest. I, I'm not a cheater. I'm not happy. But I said, I'm not out of this relationship. And until I get myself free, I'm not willing to move forward with anything else. And so literally four or five months later, I had broken up with that person and I had reached out to him because I told him, don't call me <laughs> because I don't want to, you know, I'm not doing anything behind the scenes. So uh, we went out our first night and literally, I mean, I didn't know he, if he would remember who I was and he did. And we had the best time and fell in love literally on our first date and talked and talked and talked. And we fell in love over, I think companionship is the most important thing. Sex is going to be great and fireworks and all that stuff, you know, but I mean, if you're talking about long lasting, it's great to have that chemistry, but also something you have in common. And mm -hmm. so for me, with my husband, I have the love of travel, the love of um, cuisine. I love to cook. We like to cook. We like to um, joke together and be together. And um, he's an artist. And so I, I love art and painting and he's a photographer. So, you know, there's just so many things that we have in common mm -hmm. and he's a free spirit. And at the end of the day, even though I seem very pragmatic and regimented, I'm very much a free spirit as well. So we do have that in common. Um, he's a softy. He's a little bit more um, affectionate than me, which really balances me out. Um, and he's very level headed and voice of reason where I can be a hothead. <laughs> <laughs> But well, I just think I, if you meet somebody, you need to just, you need to have kind of a list. And if you can really kind of stick to that list of what you want in a mate and don't veer off, because I think a lot of women and men too, they'll just go, well, he'll do. He fits enough boxes. But then right. when you marry the person, mm -hmm. the boxes, if you don't have enough, I would say 90% of the criteria met, then it's probably not going to work. Because at the end of the mm -hmm. day, there's going to be something that's going to cause a division, just like with Melinda and Bill, whatever their issues are. She's from Dallas, by the way. Oh, really? Um, do you have, yeah, she's from Dallas. <laughs> do you have any insider scoop on what's going on that you can share? Mm, I don't know them. I do know that Bill um, had a, another person for years and years in oh, his life. Oh, really? That was the love of his life. I do know this because my girlfriend went to school with her. Um, the love of his life was this woman, um, and she was much older than him. And she was not able to have children. And so that kind of, you know, went to the wayside and he married Melinda and I'm sure they had, you know, their love story and everything. But I think that that probably has always been an issue because I think that was this woman, this older woman was really the love of his life. Um, that's what I've heard. I don't know anything. I don't know Melinda. I just heard this from my Ursuline friends that went to school with her. I am shaking right now. I mean, I know that there's a Time article where he said that he, in his marriage, it was agreed that he could go to one beach w vacation a year or weekend with like a former flame. That's the so, girl. That's the girl. That's her. That is wild. Oh my gosh. That's true. Oh gosh. That's true. And so that was kind of, you know, they don't have like a prenup money wise, but they have a prenup about that. So every year, he can, I didn't want to get to, I didn't want to extrapolate. He can visit with this woman once a year for a week and they have this vacation and that was agreed upon in their marriage, which I would never agree to that ever. ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but, you know, and I don't know the woman. So like I said, she was much older than Melinda. I don't know if she's even still alive. I, I don't know her name. I, I don't know anything, but um, it was somebody he had this longstanding love story with and, I couldn't marry if somebody had that kind of deal with me. There just wouldn't be. I'd be too jealous. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. I guess she's laughing all the way in the bank now. So, you yeah. know, who cares? Total, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, bringing it back, though, um, our so our mother, it has a lot of draconian rules when it comes to dating. Does Mama D, did she have a lot of rules for you? Like, you have to play hard to get. Was she, did, was she like shocked that you called Jeremy basically and like rekindled? Like, did she have any sort of advice for you? She's always um, hard to get. The rules, you remember that book, The Rules? Have you ever totally. seen it? Totally. Yes, our young. mother made You're us read young. it. Yeah, oh yeah, I've got every copy. They have the rules for dating, the rules for marriage, the rules for everything. You know, those women, like those women, basically backed the Briggs truck up and made a ton of money. You know, so, and it was just common sense about how to be hard to get with men, and you know, and they they just kind of landed on it because women. 
I think the biggest uh, issue with women today, I think they, my mother's right, they're not hard to get. And then you also have texting and social media and all this way to contact men and, you know, day, night, any time of the day, 24 seven. And then this like the mystery, which remember the book, the mystery about the mystery being mysterious. Don't answer the phone. Don't be available. Mm -hmm. They don't call by Wednesday. You can't go on a Saturday night date. All of those things are true. And mm-hmm. the only thing with Jeremy is I had no way of letting him know that I was single now. And so I, fe- I kind of felt like I had to do the contact after right. that. He, he also played hard to get. And then we finally, I finally kind of drew the line in the sand and said, you're going to do this, this, or it's over, you know, oh my <laughs> he, came, he came to the lick log after that, as my dad says, but, <laughs> um, I think it's very important to be, I think it's very important to be hard to get. I think it's very important not to contact men on text message. Do not accept a date on a text message. If a man asks you on a oh. text message, forget it. Okay. I mean, you know, you can pick up the phone and call and say, would you like to go to dinner on Wednesday night, Deandra? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make reservations at, you know, in Dallas, Albernay's or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I will pick you up at seven. You're not going to Uber and meet him there. That is not appropriate. When I was mm-hmm. in New York City and I was young, the guy would come, even if it was a cab, and pick me up at my apartment and take me to dinner. I would not meet him there. Yep. I think it's, they need to work for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the problem is women are not making men work for it and they don't appreciate it anymore. It's right. too easy. And then they'll just do anything. You need to have like a rule about how long you're going to kind of, you know, play around until you play around. Yep. So <laughs> it's not just let's jump into bed and see if it works. You need to kind of, you know, have a few dates. I mean, you just don't totally. need to sleep with somebody the first night. I mean, that's not, I, I wouldn't do that. That's just my opinion though. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm taking these words as scripture, given everything that we've seen on Real Housewives of Dallas. So I love it so much. And I know our listeners are going to love it. Um, But my husband, I'll just tell you one more thing. My husband calls me and texts me and I don't respond until I get ready to respond because I want him to work. And he chases me around. He has to make romantic nights. Last week, he made a, a the bedroom look like it was going to be on fire with all the candles and the oh music and the, all this kind of stuff and, like, wooed me. He woos me. You know, flowers. And so that's kind of, you know, you don't want that to stop just because you're married. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, one question we had also in regards to dating, this is becoming the, the Deandra dating episode. That's I love perfect. It. I'm good at this topic. <laughs> at least I can, I, 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 I'm good at this one. What is your advice for like a first date outfit? It depends on where you're going. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're going to, um, God, that's hard. When I was dating, I was always at work. So I was usually wearing whatever I wore to work, whether it be like a little pantsuit or, um, you know, back then I used to dress because I worked at the White House and I worked at Department of Energy. Yes. So I was dressed up in a suit every day. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, usually I'd go right after that. And even in New York, I was in the fashion business. So I would dress, you know, very more cute, more fashion forward. But mm-hmm. um, if it's on a Saturday night, I would wear like a cute dress. If it's um, casual, if you're going to like, you know, here in Dallas, the Katy Trail Ice House, you're going to wear jeans and a, a you know shirt, but make sure you're cute and well put together, earrings, your makeup's done, always have your makeup done, smell yep. nice, don't look like you mm-hmm. rolled out of bed. I mean, that's, you know, work, Absolutely. work, you need to work, make, I mean, they're going to have to work and you need to work too. And the best thing I think about being a woman is being able to put on my makeup and dress up and be cute and be feminine. Mm-hmm. And um, men, men in Texas appreciate that. I don't know, you know, other places in the country, but when I lived in New York, the men in New York appreciated it. Trust me, they mm-hmm. loved yeah. it. <laughs> men appreciate it. And if they say they don't, they're lying. So yeah, in my opinion. Um, we, I actually was super curious about your role at the Department of Energy because that's a very serious business mm-hmm. and it's very prestigious to be, you know, offered a job at the Department of Energy. So what was that position? And do you ever like, do you ever wish you had pursued that career? That was one of the questions I had. Well, I was, you know, um, I was um, special assistant for communications. So basically dealing with the press dealing with the Hill, dealing with the senators and the congressmen. And I was um, on the Yucca Mountain Project, which is the nation's largest uh, repository for nuclear waste in Nevada. 
And so a lot of my job was taking senators and congressmen back and forth to the site and giving them tours of the site, showing them what we were doing because we were trying, we were in the license application phase. Now, back then, Harry Reid was in the Senate and he pretty much stopped everything. And so I don't even know where it is right now. I think it's just kind of stopped. But um, I was there because my father and my uncle had also a nuclear waste repository in Andrews, Texas called Waste Control Specialist. And we bury greater than class C waste there and also help clean up waste, um, you know, spills like it, with floor. We'll like partner with floor and help clean up um, places where there's a spill or there, there's a nuclear disaster. Um, greater wow. than class C waste is like gloves and medical equipment and things like that. P- things you would wear in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, so or things you would wear working in a nuclear facility. So it's not like you're burying nuclear waste, but you're burying the things that you work with when you're handling nuclear waste. It's a, it's okay, a very so boring, it's a very boring job. I made a, I made a movie called Why Yucca Mountain because I directed two <laughs> films before that. And I was like, well, this will be a fun project. It wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but, you know, it was more about selling. And this is what the person said to me. I want to put a pretty face on nuclear waste and you're going to do it. Oh, and wow. so I mean, it was like, okay. And luckily I was smart enough to understand the issues because it was very complicated and there were volumes to read of, you know, studying why we were doing this, why it was going there, how they were going to transport. Transportation was a huge issue because think about transporting nuclear waste across the country if there was an accident and most of it goes by rail. So if there's a railway accident, that's a huge issue. I mean, and then they were thinking Mm -hmm. about putting it in space. Well, when it comes down, what happens? And so, I mean, there's just a lot of issues that they never could resolve because of the danger associated with the half-lives of, you know, nuclear spent fuel. So... That's I read too much more information than you want. Sure. <laughs> no, I I love it because it's fascinating. I read a book about like the uh, it was about like how the important the Department of Energy basically is and how it's like the department that the some of the smartest people in our country go to work for and make way less than they could in the private sector, essentially mm-hmm. keeping us safe and doing like mm-hmm. some of the most important government work there is. So I was super curious when you said on the show that that was your career path before you went to work. Um, for the skincare brand and started doing that. So anyway, thank you for sharing. That's really impressive. I wouldn't have probably stayed there, to be honest with you, but I would have gone into lobbying for issues Mm -hmm. related to energy. That was kind of my next career path before my mother asked Mm -hmm. me to come home. Um, And I'm still really good friends with Spence Abraham, who was the secretary when I was there, um, and Joe Mamadigal, who was his um, right-hand guy. I'm still good friends with them. And when he comes to Dallas, he invites me to breakfast, and we talk about different things. And of course, you know, we have nothing to talk about with regards to that now because I'm not involved in it anymore. But it's very interesting to, I think in your life, if you have different opportunities for careers that maybe not fit into your, what you think in the box that you want to be in to go for it, if you get the opportunity, especially if it's a government job, because the government job, they have plum jobs that they have to give out 2000 something jobs and they're not going to necessarily put the right person in the right place. But if you're smart enough, you can figure it out. Yeah. That's what I did. I just figured it out and I enjoyed it. And, um, it was, you know, it was something I did for four years and I came home. That uh, is very impressive. And now, obviously, you're doing skincare, hard night, good morning. Mm-hmm. Someone asked what your favorite skincare product is that you swear by. We'd love to hear. Oh, definitely my L22, which is what I launched on the show um, about two years ago because it has yeah. six different actives for anti-aging. It also has Synovia HR for age spots. The L22 brings your lipid levels back to when you're 22, so think plumping. You've got the snow algae, which is longevity in the skin versus, uh, based on calorie restriction. You've got cell-to-cell communication and Dermcom, which is a crocus bulb. You've got Redensin, which is a vectorized delivery system to deliver everything in the right layer. And then you've got the Hylosol, which is the spirulic hyaluronic acid and the BVOSC, which is a um, stabilized vitamin C, all in an aloe vera base, which all wow. my products are in aloe vera. So people really see the difference on the, that product, especially if you have um, age spots or aging skin and mm-hmm. you need wrinkle reduction, elasticity improvement. Um, I love that. I also love my eye cream. It's been a bestseller for years and years because it deals with dark circles, puffiness, lines, and wrinkles. Okay, I need this because I have pale, freckled skin. So age yes. spots are going to be part of my journey at some point. And so I think I need to get on the L22 sooner rather that. than later. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, it's an awesome product. That's awesome. I have a little question. I am moving. So I'm moving to New York for the summer. You always look flawless in Dallas heat. 
I need to know your secret. How do you do it? How do I, you know, maintain a glow? How do I look good when it's so hot out and so humid? How do I keep my hair good? Everything. Oh my God. Well, what kind of hair do you have? Do you have- I have, like, I have like fine hair. I have a lot of it, but it's fine. Okay. I have fine hair too, except as you get older, you won't anymore. It'll become like this frizzy, weird mess. Then you're like, what the hell happens? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, just make sure you have like a good volumizer in your hair and you have a lot of dry shampoo or dry powder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lifesaver. Yeah. Um, I use my toner all summer long because um, it's not only to restore my pH balance before I put my moisturizer and my makeup on, but it also is a refresher and it's a makeup setting spray. So I always carry it with me. Um, I would dress in New York city. The difference is we have, there's a lot of humidity, which you don't have here as much. And that's just the sucky thing about New York city, honestly, in the summertime, but maybe you'll spend time at the beach (laughs) in front of an AC unit. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. Yeah. Don't move into an apartment with no air conditioning. Oh my God. There's a lot of those there. (laughs) And, you know, I just feel like dressing, um, I always try to dress in comfortable, um, fabrics like cotton yeah. breathable things don't wear you know rayon and nylon and stuff like that in the summertime because it's just it's not good for you number one and um, you want yeah. breathable fabrics that's always very important and in, at mm-hmm. nighttime when I sleep I always sleep in cotton and um, make sure my, my sheets are 100% cotton and everything is breathable yeah okay amazing Gospel and your skin truly. your skin I think there's a couple of um, good foundations that don't run so Huda Beauty makes a great one Huda Beauty okay uh, their foundation is good with your all day long wear and it's not going to run. It's not going to streak. Um, I would stay with something like that. There's another one by Atelier. Um, oh, Westman Atelier. Yeah. It's something Atelier and they have a good one too that stays on all day long. If you set it with a good setting powder, I still use yeah. the Laura Mercier and I also have my own that I make. Um, and those two things kind of keep me flawless all day long and just powder, powder a little bit. And if you have to use the blotting, you know, things then use those. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look flawless on the subway. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another fashion beauty question. What is your favorite item in your closet? Favorite item in my closet. Oh, by the way, also I want to add the tinted moisturizer. That's your best friend Mm, in the summertime too. And I use the Elta MD. I think it's SPF 45 or something or 46. Okay. Sunscreen. My favorite item in my closet, which probably would be well, God, that changes. I'm so fickle. Um, I just purchased my push present, which is after the reunion. I call it my push present. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's amazing. So my push present is a new Chanel, beautiful, um, like cross between a lilac and lavender uh, boy bag, which I'm very excited to receive today. (laughs) So (laughs) that will be my new, I'm kind of like fickle, like I said, so it'll be my new of the moment bag and then I'll move on to something else. But I also love this new brand that I wore on Watch What Happens Live. It's called um, Untitled, U-N-T. It's like T-T-L-E-D. It's it's a newer brand and it's handmade um, and they have some really cool items. So that's a new, really interesting brand that they are carrying now. If you ever do decide to create that Poshmark account that was happening many seasons back. Oh, you have have it? it? Yeah, but I just don't have any of my good stuff on it, to be honest with you. I mean, I have like (laughs) stuff that, you know, I have not as expensive stuff. And I do have like the real reels coming here. I think this next week or something, they were supposed to be here yesterday. And I said, I couldn't do it yesterday. So we have a new real, real store in Dallas. So they're coming to get my good stuff, so to speak. I mean, but honestly, I will never sell my, my Oscar de Laurentiis from when he was alive. I will never sell my, you know, handbags that I feel like are collectors handbags. And I mean, I just, so the things that I have to sell maybe are things I wore on the show that I'm not going to be able to wear again. It's probably more ready to wear stuff than your couture looking kind of stuff. I do mm-hmm. have like a few Carolina Herrera dresses and stuff like that for evening, but like who's going to balls right now? You know, nobody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wait, actually speaking of balls, Dallas society, we had a question. Um, has, has Dallas society been chill or cool? Have they accepted the fact that you're on the show? Has that blowback died down? Would love to know about that. They are not accepting of it at all. Okay. No. Wow. Um, so unfortunately, I think it's interesting because the women that are so vehemently opposed to this show are the ones that audition for the show. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's totally jealousy. The funniest part of the whole thing is I'm like, wait, you auditioned for the show and now you're talking trash about us against we're on the show. So, you know, that's a typical female response to something that if you don't win, you know, Um, there are friends of mine who are in Christmas. So the two main groups in Dallas. So you start at the junior league and you either become president or ball chair or both. And I was the ball chair of the junior league, which is the largest junior league in the world. So you have to be voted on. There's 6,000 members wow. to be ball chair. It's a huge deal. So I, I raised $1.8 million, the largest amount of money that any junior league has ever raised. And especially when we raised it was in 2011. Then I went on to Cattle Barons Ball and I was um, one of the largest fundraisers at Cattle Barons Ball and I was underwriting chair, live auction chair and would have gone on to probably ball chair, but then they did not like the fact that I was a housewife. So they ripped that away from me. Of course, some other things, I was extremely good at what I did. And there's a lot of women that are competitive with regards to that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, The next one is Crystal Charity, which I am not going to probably be in because the women in Crystal Charity are catty and mean and they're not going to let me in. But I have Mm. really good friends in Crystal Charity that – Maybe when they become ball cheer, I would get in. But do I really want it at this point? I'm kind of like, I'm kind of over it. Because what, why do I want to sit there with these women that, you know, a lot of them have strong feelings about this show and about what I do and everything. And, you know, I can, and why do I want to do all that work if they're not going right. to be, you know, it's like a mean girl right. club. I mean, I don't want yeah. to be in the mean girl club. I want to be in the successful women's entrepreneur club. And um, I just have, I have, at that time, I was really Honestly, I had my priorities, I think, very out of whack. I was in, more interested in being in the society rags every week, and I was excited about that. Mm-hmm. All of my fundraising, I wanted to be recognized for that. Now I just don't really care. And I've, I've moved on to being an ambassador for different organizations. Like I'm the ambassador for Mercury One, which is a disaster relief. Um, they have like a pa- their pass through that has a bunch of different arms. And um, they have Operation Underground Railroad, which is human trafficking. They have disaster mm-hmm. relief. They have, um, we went to Iraq and I worked with women that had been captured um, by ISIS and rescued by mm-hmm. them. And that was amazing. And now I just was asked to be an ambassador for Operation Barbecue Relief, which is also a disaster relief. And my husband um, is a photojournalist for a lot of these organizations. So wow. I'm going to go with them and I'm going to be handing out food and talking to people and rescuing people. And so that to me is um, more rewarding at this point. Mm-hmm. And I still give money to these organizations that I work with, but it's not, I'm not just fundraising. And I'm not going to luncheons. And I'm not mm-hmm. buying an expensive dress, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm out, in the, I'm out in the field, which I think is more meaningful to me at this point in my life. For sure. I mean, I think that's, that's really cool. It's like you get the best part of it and then you don't have to deal with the cattiness and drama, especially mm-hmm. when it stems from a place of judgment because of jealousy, which is, you know, just obvious to anyone, I think. I think a lot of women are, you know, they don't like the show in Dallas or whatever, but they all watch it. And then there's a lot of jealousy with regards to it, I'm sure. And there's a lot of feelings about, you know, what we're putting out there. And I put out a lot on the show. So um, that's just who I am. I'm very hard on my sleeve, very transparent, probably more so I would say than anybody else on the cast. Uh, But I've always been that way. And that's Mm -hmm. when I joined, I knew that I was going to just be myself and, you know, good or bad, I was going to fall in a (laughs) hundred percent. Totally. Are you friends, question regarding like show stuff, are you friends with housewives from other places? And or like, who's your favorite housewife that you're friends with from another franchise? I'm good friends with Margaret Josephs. Um, okay. We probably talk more than anybody else. Um, I'm friends with Bronwyn. I'm friends with... Oh, cool. um, I used to be friends with Emily. I haven't talked to her in a long time. Um, with Gina from OC. Mm-hmm. Then Salt Lake City with Meredith. Um, let me think. From Potomac, um, Karen and I kind of talk from time to time. And then uh, Monique and I talk from time to time. And Candace, oddly enough, even though I don't like each other, we all... <laughs> We kind of, I talked to them. Um, and then on New York, uh, I know Dorinda not well, but we've talked um, from time to time. She's not there anymore, obviously. Um, Tinsley um, and I know each other and our mothers know each other. Oh, um, no way. That yeah. totally makes sense. I love Tinsley it. And I have, Tinsley and I have a lot of mutual friends. Um, mm-hmm. We talked on the phone. We never met in person, but our mothers did a little um, 
pilot on a mother's housewife show a while ago. So a few oh my years gosh. ago, which I think would be great to have a housewife show where just the mothers broke it down and just was yes. like, you know, slammed the daughters for acting like a bunch of asses. I think that would be amazing. So that would be um, perfect. I'm all awesome. for that. And my mother's mouth is obviously unfiltered. So she'd be one of the best. Um, <laughs> she's like me. And then um, this weekend, I'm very excited to go meet, um, not a housewife, but one of my favorite Bravo characters. I'm going to meet Patricia at Southern Charm. Um, in oh, New wow. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going for drinks to her house on Friday because we are going to Charleston. Um, she's like my favorite. I'm sorry. I, mean, I just adore <laughs> this woman. I, I'm obsessed yes. with her and the butler and everything else. Mm-hmm. So um, she was commenting on my stuff, and she's like, come to Charleston. I'm like, well, you won't believe this. I'll be in Charleston this weekend. You know? <laughs> so I said, I know it's Mother's Day, but if you have some time. So she invited my husband and I for drinks on Friday night, and we're going to have drinks, and um, hopefully it's going to be something very Southern. <laughs> Like a mint yeah. julep oh or gosh. one of her fabulous martinis, gin martinis that she always has, you know, has uh, Michael make. So um, I'm excited about meeting her because I'm just fascinated. She's like my mother. It's like, you know, if you want to meet somebody like my mother, like and ask a bunch of questions about them, this is like my dream. <laughs> yes. She is an iconic woman, like truly. <laughs> if, so you wanna t- if you want to continue your charity work, please uh, post on your IG stories about this experience so we can live vicariously through you. That is my only request. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Two quick last questions, if it's possible. We had a question about um, from a listener about what caused you to dive so deep into alternative medicine and spirituality? Yes. Yeah, so the first alternative medicine was my mother had cancer. And then my grandmother had cancer. My mother had breast cancer. My grandmother had pancreatic cancer. My grandfather had prostate cancer. And my aunt, my mother's sister, had breast cancer twice. So oh, wow. that really made me decide, okay, I need to look at why are we getting cancer in our family? And mm-hmm. is it, um, you know, is it BRCA related or is it something that is just environmental? Is it something, our nutrition? And that was the first foray in 1987 when I was going to college. My mother um, decided to close her fashion business and really travel the world and learn about nutrition. And I went along kind of for that journey as much as I could, even though I was in school. And then I studied um, naturopathic doctor school for two years online when I came home, but I got so busy I couldn't finish. So I know a lot. I wrote a lot of monographs and different papers about uh, different health issues, mostly related to cancer. And then... um, as far as spirituality, I have always been somebody that even though I was raised Christian, knew that there was other ways. And more for me, it was about healing my body and about emotional trauma and past trauma versus like, I'm not in it to get high. I'm in it to like uh, try to figure out why I have this pain and is it emotional connection mm-hmm. to something past, present, whatever. So mm-hmm. that was more about my spiritual journey and my stress relief and things of that nature. And um, now they're having a lot of trials. I don't know if you know this or not with psychedelics and psychotherapy. Yeah. And um, it's very, um, it's very powerful stuff. And I'm excited about it. In fact, I was on the phone yesterday with a center in San Francisco that does ketamine assisted psychotherapy and they're doing the MDNA trials. And we were talking all about that. Um, And Dallas, they're doing some of that as well. The FDA is kind of, understood that this is helping people and let's figure out, you know, how we can do that. So I think by 2023, they'll be able to do that in DNA, um, you know, dosing with psychotherapy and the ketamine is already happening now. So amazing. Well, actually, and, and our last question is directly related to this. Um, what is the latest with your shaman with the amazing hair? Are you still working together? <laughs> Yes. In fact, I was supposed to see him last night. Do you know, he has something called Medicine Monday. Okay. Where you go to his house and it's like a rape, the stuff that people thought he was sucking boogers out of my nose. He's actually <laughs> blowing uh, ancient uh, um, Amazon tobacco uh, that was sacred up my nose for like a grounding, centering effect. So I was going to go there last night for his ceremony and we had this bad storm in Dallas and my dogs are very skittish. So I felt like I couldn't leave them. Um, mm. So I will probably, in fact, I'm supposed to go over there tomorrow on Wednesday to just talk to him about um, setting up some time going forward. And I'm hoping to go to Peru. Um, He's going to do another trip to Peru, an ayahuasca trip. And so that's my next thing with him is to go to Peru. Wow, that's amazing. Well, he's another, he's another like um, 
like basically almost like celebrity from being on the show, like kind of like Mama D. He probably just kind of like fell into it and then is like probably getting recognized like Mama D out mm-hmm. in Dallas, I'm assuming. Yeah, he, he is. And he was also, he's been an entertainer and he's done the hair and the makeup, but <clears throat> Darren had severe headaches, like so debilitating that he was almost suicidal. And that's how he wow. found ayahuasca was through the headaches. And so I have severe migraines as well. And so that's kind of why I went to him was for pain relief and then started finding out about these other medicines and alternatives. And that's why I'm kind of doing the four way foray into that to learn, um, you know, if these, some of these things would help me with my, my issues and they have mm-hmm. helped me and I just need to do a little bit more of a deep dive, you know? Right. Dandra, this has been amazing. Thank you no, thank so, you so much. much. I appreciate your time. Thank we you. are honored. Truly. Well, thank you. I appreciate you watching the show and um, thank you for being fans. And I hope you enjoy the reunion. It's um, powerful stuff. (laughs) Uh, We're so excited. Thank you so much again. Our our truly like our favorite, our like biggest interview. Thank you. We're like so excited. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. all for now folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at popapologists and we will see you next week live every wednesday do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them then we've got the perfect podcast for you I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the cycle babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.